I'm on now. Okay. Lovely to see you. Here's lovely to be back. I'm very much looking forward to speaking at the Mount now. It sounds kind of scary. I'm looking forward to that. I won't put on my suit. Uh, why, does, why don't gas preachers speak at the Mount? That's, that's terribly rude. Anyways, lovely to be back here. Lovely to come and share God's Word with you. What I'm going to be speaking about this morning is inner peace, and I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 3. So if you'd like to grab your Bibles and open your Bibles to Psalm 3, uh, that's where we'll be. Psalm 3, middle of your Bibles. And I want to start by saying that a lot of people uh, in this world and in this life are looking for inner peace. And to find that inner peace, they they turn to all sorts of different things. Uh, Some people turn to meditation. Uh, Some people turn to drugs. Uh, One of our Australian politicians once said that, Life is an inherently disappointing experience for most human beings. And that's why I thought so many people turned to drugs. They turned to drugs to escape reality, to to escape the disappointment they found in life, uh, to escape that life they found so difficult to deal with. And even though many of us aren't addicted to drugs, uh, we can feel the same way, can't we? Uh, We too can find life disappointing and difficult. And rather than facing each new day with joy and hope and anticipation, uh, many people wake up each morning filled with anxiety and dread. And I want to ask you, is that you? Do you feel that way when you face each new day? Are you anxious about life, about your health, about your future, your finances? Are you anxious about the economy, uh, the environment, your job, your leaders, terrorism, BP or Carlos Boozer going to Chicago? Do these type of things make it hard for you to sleep at night? Well, if you're like that, then Psalm 3 is for you. Because in Psalm 3, we meet a man who's got plenty to be worried about, a man who has every right to be anxious. And if you'd like to turn Uh, to Psalm 3 and to verse 1 with me, you'll meet this man and you'll meet him crying out to the Lord and saying, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Here is a man crying out to God saying, the whole world is against me. And that's not all. That world which is against him in verse 2 is telling him that God won't save him. That God will not deliver him, that he doesn't stand a chance. Now, that's pretty bad, isn't it, to be caught in that type of situation? I mean, what could be so bad that everyone around you would be saying that of you, that God will not deliver you? Well, Psalm 3 actually tells us what that situation would be like. And if you have to look at your Bible again, you'll see a heading at the very top of the psalm before verse 1 that tells us that this is a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. And just an additional detail, if you look down the right-hand side of the psalm, you'll see the word Salah uh, on the right-hand side repeated three times. Now, why are these things here? Why is there a heading? Why is this word Salah there three times? But what we need to realize is that a psalm is a song. The psalms are a collection of songs used by the people of Israel, God's people, to worship God. And these two pieces of information actually help us to sing this song. Uh, The word Salah uh, breaks the psalm up into three separate sections. You'll see it there at the ends of verses 2, 4, and 8. And the heading 
sets the scene for us. The heading tells us what this psalm is all about. It tells us that this is a psalm of David, who was the king of Israel. And this is a psalm that he wrote when his own son, his own flesh and blood, Absalom, overthrew him and stole his throne, which you can read about in 2 Samuel 15. That This is a psalm that David wrote while he was on the run, fearing for his life. Now, put yourself in David's shoes. What type of song would you write in that situation? Just imagine, one moment you're the king. You're living in your palace in Jerusalem. You're ruling a nation. The next moment, your own son has you running for your life. What type of song would you write? How would you feel? I mean, obviously, you'd feel pretty low. You'd feel lonely. You'd feel isolated. You'd feel betrayed. And we can feel the same time, uh, same kind of feelings in our own lives, can't we? And when things aren't going well for us and we struggle and it feels like the whole world is against us when our marriages are struggling or our kids go off the rails or investments go sour, when it all seems too much, we, we can feel discouraged and betrayed and lonely and isolated. And we can also at these times when we're vulnerable hear the words of the devil ringing in our ears. It's hopeless. You don't stand a chance. God will not deliver you. But this is where Psalm 3 is such a blessing to us. Because have a look at a song David goes on to write. Have a look at what David says in verse 3. David writes, But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. You see, David, he doesn't wallow in grief and despair. David writes a song of praise. And in this song, David shows us that he hasn't given up on God at all. He doesn't listen to the words of his enemies, those who are taunting him. He doesn't believe those who are telling him that God won't deliver him. David says that the Lord is his shield, that the Lord is his protector, that the Lord will glorify him, and that this very same Lord would lift his head and restore him and put him back on his feet again. And this is why in verse 4, David moves on to pray and to cry out to the Lord in the midst of his trouble, to cry out to the Lord for help, confident. Have a look at the second half of verse 4. Confident that the Lord will listen to him and answer his prayer. David doesn't listen to the taunts and the words and the discouragements of his enemies at all. And in the words of this first part of the song, we see that David is confident that God can and will save him. But the question is why? Why is David confident? Where does this confidence come from? David is confident because David knows God. And we know this because if you have a look at Psalm 3 again, you'll see that David doesn't just address God as God. David addresses God as Lord, Lord in capital letters. And every time you see the word Lord spelled out in capital letters in your Bible, that's telling you that this is more than just a title like Lord or King or Queen. No, the word Lord in capital letters is actually God's own personal 
name, the name that God first revealed to Moses at the burning bush to give to Israel, and which is now written as law because over time became too sacred to pronounce, and people used the word Lord instead. And the fact that David addresses God as Lord here in Psalm 3 is very important because what that tells us is that David is on a first-name basis with the God of the universe, that David is in a personal relationship with God. And that's a pretty big deal when you think about it. I mean, can you imagine what it'd be like to call the Queen of England Liz? Or your president, Barack? Or if you're an Australian, you'd probably call him Baza. If you don't understand that, you can ask me later. I mean, you can't just walk up to someone that important and use their first name, can you? I mean, that would be presumptuous. Unless, of course, you were a close friend or a member of the family. And we see here that David here calls God Lord. And what that shows us is the type of relationship that David has with God. It shows us that David knows God. He knows him personally. He knows him intimately. He knows him as a friend. He knows him as a member of his family. And as a result of all that, as a result of David's intimate and personal knowledge of God, David also knows that his God, the Lord, has a great track record when it comes to saving his people. And this is why David places his trust in the Lord. Because having a great track record changes everything when it comes to trust. It's a bit like applying for a home loan or a mortgage. You don't just walk into a bank, do you, and ask for $500,000 unless you're a robber. You have an interview. You fill out paperwork. You show them your bills and your paycheck. You have to show them that you have a good track record before they will trust you with their money. And it's the same here with David and God. David knows God. David knows God's track record. David knows that the Lord had rescued his people from the hands of Pharaoh, from Egypt. He knows that God had gone before them into the promised land to give them the land of Canaan. And in David's own case, David knew that the Lord had helped him as a young shepherd boy to deliver his people from the hands of the Philistines by defeating the greatest warrior of the day, Goliath, with no more than a sling and five stones. David knew that the Lord's track record was impeccable. And this is why David, despite everything happening to him, despite being on the run, in the midst of heartache and trouble, this is why David chooses to place his trust in God and not listen to his enemies. And as we read on, what we discover is that by placing his trust in God, David finds peace, real, lasting, inner peace. Have a look at verses 5 and 6. David says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. David says that in the midst of everything going on, even though everything seems to be going wrong for him, even though it seemed like he was facing thousands of enemies, he can lay down and sleep. David 
is at peace. And he wakes up refreshed and unafraid because the Lord himself has sustained him. And in verse 7, David expresses his deep trust in God again by praying again that the Lord would deliver him from his enemies, just as he knew he had done before. And David knows that if anyone can deliver him, if anyone can save him from the trouble he's in, then the Lord can. Because in verse 8, and this is very important, and the key to the psalm, David says that deliverance doesn't lie in his own hands, his own strength, his own power, the number of soldiers in his armies or in the hands of another, but that his deliverance belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. Because from the Lord comes deliverance. It's a great little psalm, isn't it? And it's mind-blowing to think that David was able to write words like this uh, in the midst of all that he was facing. And you can imagine how encouraging it would have been to sing this song as an Israelite in the worship of God. But let me ask you a question before we move a little bit further. How can anyone but David sing this song? Because as I said earlier, psalms are songs that were meant to be sung by God's people. But hasn't this whole psalm been about David's own personal experience of being on the run and placing his trust in God and finding peace? Well, it has. That is what the psalm is all about. But there's another thing that we need to take into account, and that is that David is no ordinary man. But David is the king. And what we need to realize is that back in the time of David, kings and royalty weren't the type of people you find in front of uh, magazines at the counter in the supermarket or just figureheads. No, they were far more important than that. In fact, the fate of the entire nation was intrinsically linked with the fate of the king. And when the king won in battle, the nation won. And when the king was defeated, the nation lost. In other words, back in the time of David, the king represented his people, the one in the place of the many. And as a result, since David was the king, the words of this psalm, even though they reflect his own personal experience, were the words of his people as well. Because what was true for David will be true for them as well. Because he was their representative. And just as the Lord was David's shield, the Lord would be his people's shield as well. And the Lord would lift up their heads and provide them with the very same peace that David had experienced when he had trusted God. And it's this very same principle of the king representing the people that allows us here today, thousands of years later, thousands of miles away, to be able to sing this psalm and apply the words of this psalm to our own situation as well. Because we too, despite living in democracy, have a king, a king that came after David. Yet like David, must have felt that the whole world was against him. And like David, had people telling him that God wouldn't save him. Yet in the face of all this, this king also trusted God. Because this king knew God by name. And he knew that this God, his Lord, would protect him and lift his head. 
And just like David, in the depths of his despair, in the midst of his troubles, this God also cried out to God in prayer and found peace. Knowing that whatever happened to him, from the Lord comes deliverance. And this king that I'm talking about is King Jesus. And just as David represented the people of Israel thousands of years ago, King Jesus still represents his people, those who place their trust in him today. And just as the deliverance of David was the deliverance of Israel, what happens to Jesus will happen to us, to Christians, to those who have faith in him. Which means that despite everything that happened to him in his life, and the taunts of his enemies, just as Jesus was raised from the dead to eternal life, never to die again, we will share in that as well. And the words of this song of David, which point us to Jesus, as the whole Bible does, can be our words now as well, through him. Words we can sing with confidence, because the Lord's track record wasn't only great when it came to the history of Israel in the Old Testament. The Lord's track record finds his ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, who fulfills all of God's plans and purposes, dying on the cross in our place for our sins, opening the way back to God, rising from the dead as the firstborn of many, sending his spirit to transform lives and ruling over the whole of creation as Saviour and King, and granting his people the deliverance, the security, and the peace they both need and want. That's what Jesus has done for us. And it's because of Jesus we can sing this song of David. And I want to finish by leaving you with a question. Do you know that peace that this song is pointing us to? Do you know that peace that Psalm 3 uh, is telling us about? Let me tell you about someone who did. A man turned up at church one day out of the blue. Uh, he was a man in his 50s and his name was John. And John was uh, easy to spot. He was very pale and he wore a hat because he didn't have any hair left on his head. And this was because John had cancer. And I remember sitting down to talk to John after church one Sunday, and I went up to him and asked him, John, how, how are you going? How's this week been? How was, how was your chemo? And, and John said to me, Gary, didn't have any chemo this week because it's not working anymore, and the doctor and I have decided that it's time to stop. So I said to John, well, how do you feel about that? And he said to me, I am so thankful that God has brought me back uh, brought me to this church and brought me back to himself. And I was wondering, Gary, if you'd be willing to do my funeral. And I said, oh, of course, John, I'd be glad to. But what are you going to do now? And John said, I need to tell my family and friends that I'm going to die. And in the time that God gives me, I want to be helping people to come to know him. I said to John, it's great to be a Christian, isn't it? And he said, it's fantastic. And then I said, 
John, are you ready to meet God? And he said, I can't wait. John had been a Christian for four weeks. He died a few weeks later. Do you share John's confidence? Do you share John's peace? Not only in the face of death, but in the face of life, with all its anxieties and challenges, whether that be in terms of your future, or finances, or family, or relationships, or self-image, or freedom, even in the face of injustice, and uncertainty and persecution, do you have that sort of inner peace that John had and David has in Psalm 3? Well, you can. You can if you are just willing to trust Jesus the way that John did. If you're willing to view life and this world the way David did, knowing God, knowing what he's like, knowing him personally, knowing him intimately, knowing his track record, and knowing that from the Lord comes deliverance. From the Lord comes deliverance. That's the perspective you need if you truly want inner peace, a real, lasting, genuine inner peace that will help you sleep at night. A peace that you'll never find through meditation or drugs or escaping reality but you'll find through knowing that in the end, those who trust God through Jesus have got nothing to be truly anxious about. Because what is the worst thing that can happen to them? They can suffer and die only to spend the rest of eternity with their Father in heaven. Their Father in heaven who they can trust with their whole lives. Their Father in heaven, who has an impeccable track record, which finds its fulfillment in the death and resurrection of Jesus and shows us clearly and with great certainty that despite what life may throw at us and despite what people may say to us, that we'll be okay because from the Lord comes deliverance. Please join me in prayer.